We've been in this series titled Cross Reference, and what we're doing is we're referencing the cross, and we're looking at the last words and the last phrases that Jesus spoke as he was dying, as he was placed on that cross. What did he say in those final moments? And what did it mean for the people that were gathered there listening to him that recorded these words down? And then what do they mean for us today? And I'm going to begin with a particular piece of scripture that comes from Luke's account in the 23rd chapter, starting at verse 46. And here's what it says. This is where we're going to land today. Then Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. When the Roman officer overseeing the execution saw what had happened, he worshiped God and said, surely this man was innocent. Now, let's start here when looking at this piece of scripture, okay? This Roman officer has probably seen a lot of crucifixions, okay? In fact, it was pretty common in the Roman Empire. So let's talk about where and why these actually happened. So the Romans would place these crucifixions at the entrance to the city where everybody could see. And they would use it as a deterrent to the people that were living there in the city and to everybody that was visiting Jerusalem. Like when they came in and you saw those crosses up there, it was their way of saying, act right or this could be you. And if you had been alive and you saw it, it would have made an impact you would have remembered it for sure. And this was done. This was something, I don't know how common it was, but it was something everybody knew about. But this time, this time was different. For this Roman officer that was standing here, watching Jesus go through all this, it said that he stopped and he worshipped God. And he had this realization that this guy, this Jesus, this man is different. And he's got to be innocent. Right? It's it's something, this this guard, you know, looking at Jesus. What what made Jesus' death um, so different from the other crucifixions that this Roman officer had seen? This guard, he's probably looking at Jesus, and he's probably just taking it all in. He's probably hearing everything Jesus had to say. He's probably seeing the darkness that we talked about a couple of days ago or weeks ago that just kind of, you know, covered the land. He's taking all this in, and in this moment, he chooses to believe. So this guard, he most likely heard Jesus talk about forgiveness, You remember those words when we talked about the very first week when Jesus was being crucified, he looked at the guys that were killing him and he prayed to God to forgive them, right? And I said, you know, I I don't know what, what would happen to me in those moments, but if you stab me in the side and beat me with a whip, the next words out of my mouth are probably not gonna be words of forgiveness, right? And that's just natural. That's how a normal person would react, but this is not normal. This Jesus, he's different. He speaks of forgiveness while he's dying. Maybe he heard Jesus say to the criminal on the cross beside him, you may remember this a few weeks back, where he looked at this guy and he says, today you will be with me in paradise. And he talks to this guy about heaven. A normal person dying on the cross doesn't say something like that. They aren't looking to save someone else. They're looking to save Themselves. Maybe this guard, maybe he heard Jesus talk to John and Mary and how he spoke those words of love that we talked about a couple of weeks ago. How he cared for them even in the middle of his dying moments. And that's not normal either because most of the time when people are suffering and when they're hurting, it's, 
it's normal to look inward, to look at ourselves, but not Jesus, not in this moment. Even in his dying moments, he is looking, and he is caring, and he is loving his mom and his best friend, John. And then maybe the guard saw him refuse the painkiller that the Roman officers offered him at the beginning of the crucifixion. That's not normal. And we talked a couple of weeks back about why he did that and what that meant. And then how when he finally did ask for a drink, how that was the fulfillment of prophecy. And then at the very end, when it says he breathed his last, we know that this Roman officer heard him say these words that we just read. And this is where we're going to land today. Where Jesus says, Father, I trust my spirit into your hands. I trust you in this last moment. Let's dive into that this morning. Uh, Before we really dive into these words and what it means to trust the Father's hands. Let me give you three things to think about, okay? If you got your message notes, let's go ahead and open those up on the Ridge app. For those of you that are online, you can find those message notes on the Ridge app and you can follow along as well. But here's what I want you to know about the death and the resurrection of Christ, okay? Number one, I want you to know this. He gave up his life voluntarily, okay? And the reason I say this is because one of the most interesting religion classes that I ever took um, dealt with how various people read Scripture and how they tried to pass the blame for the death of Jesus, right? There's always been this debate, you know, was it the Romans that killed Jesus because, you know, it was their crucifixion? Was it the Jews that killed Jesus because it was their trials that put him in this moment? Was it the crowd They killed Jesus because if you remember, there was that moment where Pilate kind of wanted to wash his hands of it. And so he stood up, Barabbas and Jesus, and the crowd actually yelled back to crucify Jesus. Whose fault was it really that he died? Let me tell you who took Jesus' life. Nobody. Nobody took his life. He volunteered his life. He was in complete control of everything. In fact, in the book of John, In the middle of the book of John, John chapter 10, Jesus is looking ahead to what was coming and he's talking and he's teaching and he says, he says, I have the authority to lay my life down. And then he says this, I have the authority to pick it back up again. And we know that this is exactly what he did. On Good Friday, he voluntarily laid his life down for all of us. Then on Easter morning, he took it back up. He was in complete control. Second thing I want you to know is that he gave his life up reverently, okay? And what do I mean by this? In this moment when Jesus spoke these words, he's actually quoting scripture, which is really, really quite interesting and really cool. He's actually quoting the psalmist. In Psalm 31.5, it says, I entrust my spirit into your hand. Rescue me, Lord, for you are a faithful God. He's quoting this Old Testament psalm here. And the reason that this is important is because most Jewish believers at this time in Yahweh God, they would have known this verse. In fact, it was thought that this verse was kind of like a bedtime prayer. This verse was something that was recited by a lot of people. This would be like their translation of a now I lay me down to sleep type of thing that they would say at night. So in this moment, when Jesus is dying, he's reverent. He's not just focusing on his pain, but what is he doing? He's focusing on God. Some of his last words were words of Scripture. 
And then the third thing I want you to know is that he died confidently. Okay, Scripture says he shouted these words, I trust my spirit into your hands. Now, normally when people are at their last breath, it's more of a whisper, maybe. Maybe you've heard somebody um, in their dying moments have those, it's hard. It's hard to talk. It's hard to think clearly, especially when you're dying on the cross because what's happening on the cross is that you're dying from asphyxiation, which means that your lungs, you you got to push yourself up in order, your lungs are collapsing in order to gain enough breath to to even speak. And in the end, you end up dying of suffocation. But in this moment, right before Jesus passes, it says that he shouted these words. And again, he's not shouting in anger. He's not in despair. He's not defeated. He's shouting these words with confidence. Father, I place myself into your hands. He's confident that God is with him in this moment. So with all that being said, I think this really lays a good foundation for us when it comes to these words. And I also think that this phrase, I trust my spirit into your hands, that that phrase is maybe something that we should memorize too, that we should take with us, that maybe we should recite just like they did. Because I think it teaches us a few things when it comes to trusting the hands of God. Because let's be honest, we have moments in our life that are scary where we're anxious, where we're overwhelmed, that's not always easy. And really, it can be quite difficult to trust God, can it? I know a lot of people say that, like when you're going through something, they're like, just trust God. You know, and it's, you know, it's like, I know I should, but I, it's, it's hard. It's hard in the moment to really trust the hands of God. I remember my very first message I gave to a youth group in Cordial, I spoke on trust. And um, I did that game that probably all of you have played at least at one point in your life, the trust fall game. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's, it's where you have somebody fall back into, you know, their hands. And even though they can't see you, they've got to trust you. And so they stand there and then they lean back and they got to fall in your hand. And to make it even a little bit more... More interesting, uh, we had a stage which was probably about this high um, off the ground, and I would have a group of students down on the, and they would they would interlock their hands, and I would have them stand on the their their back to them on the side of the stage and fall off the stage into their hands. And you know what? That sounds like a fun thing to do. How many of y'all would like to take part in one right now? We're gonna do one right. Of course, Joel would. <laughs> I saw Joel's hand go up first. Yes. Hey, but you know what? I, in case you don't know what I'm talking about, I found this video. I did Trust Fall online, and I thought this was really cool. Gives you a little indication of what it's like to really fall back. Okay, let's say, if we were really going to do this right now, how many of y'all would be willing to do that after the service? Let me see. Not many. Okay, okay, there are some of y'all. Now, what's also funny is that if you type into Google search instead of trust fall, if you type in trust fail, here's what you get. Three. No, wait, no, no. 
Y'all, I laughed so hard the first time I thought that. I was crying. I was laughing so hard. I had no idea. <laughs> he was into it, though. He was like, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Catch me, Jesus. You're supposed to fall into the hands. Oh, gosh, that cracks me up. Woo. I love it. All right, let's see if I get back on track. Uh, <laughs> Jesus, in this overwhelming situation here, he's about to figuratively fall into the hands of God. When he says these words, I trust my spirit into your hands. And here's where I want to go with this. I know that some of you right now, and maybe you're watching online to... Uh, you're going through something difficult, and maybe something tough, or there's this recurring theme that keeps coming up, and you're just not sure how to deal with it, and maybe you feel like you're falling a little bit, and you're hoping that you can trust the hand of God. And you know, I, I don't know what's going on in your life, or I don't know what's going on in your family, but I do know that things happen to us all the time, and if they're not happening to you right now, chances are it will in the future, and I can't begin to understand why bad things happen the way they do, and how difficult it can be, and why the darkness falls in our life at times when it does. But if you're going through something right now, or when you go something through something in the future, I, I want to remind you, that we can still have confidence in the hands of our God. And the reason why is because Scripture is clear that our God is with us. And we can have confidence to know that His hands, the hands of God are amazing, just like Jesus did. Let me, let me, let me teach you a little bit. If you got your message notes open, let's fill in a couple of blanks when it comes to what we know about the hands of God. Number one is this. The hands of God are big enough to bless, Okay? Even whatever this moment is, his hands are bigger than ours. You know, I think about this. I, I think about the, the time when my little girls were born and how I'm holding them in my hands or how they were, you know, on the, the table and in the hospital and I reach down to touch them and I, and I grab their little hand and, and you see their whole hand just wrapped completely around your one finger. And some of you know what this is like when it comes to your child, or maybe you've held a, a baby and how they can put their whole hand around your one finger. And in that moment, you begin to realize that you would do anything for this child, that your hands are bigger, that your hand is big enough to bless this child. What does your hand look like in the hand of God? How big is God's hand when it comes to whatever you're facing in life? You know, we tend to be so narrow-minded and we tend to be so limited in perspective that all we see is how big our problems are or how big this problem is that's right in front of me, but we fail to see just how big or we, we fail to be reminded of how big our God is or how much bigger our God is than this problem. You know, last week we talked a little bit about the Israelites living in captivity in Egypt. And if you read through the book of Exodus, you'll find that the Israelites were in captivity for, with Pharaoh for over 400 years. And after such a long period of time with the army of Egypt against them and with so many people and women and children, I bet, I bet they began to wonder, could God rescue them? Would God rescue them? Would they trust God enough that he would be big enough to come against Egypt? And the Pharaoh. And you know the rest of the story. 
God sent Charlton Heston, I mean Moses. Sorry, just seeing if you are still awake. And in Exodus chapter 13, verse 3, it says this. It says, this is a day to remember forever. The day you left Egypt, the place of your slavery, today the Lord has brought you out by what? By the power of his mighty hand. The mighty hand of God. Even bigger than the Pharaoh of Egypt and that mighty army. And you know what? It just keeps, Scripture keeps laying out story after story after story of God's mighty hand. And then when you move into the New Testament, we see the power of Jesus' hand. And how he brought healing. And how he brought blessing to people to those that he touched. Uh, there's a story of Jesus healing Peter's mother-in-law and when she was sick just by touching her. And then in the very next chapter, he heals a little girl that has died. Could you imagine what the parents are going through? I can't. But then imagine the amazement when Jesus places his mighty hand on top of her hand and raises her from the dead. And then in Matthew chapter 19, it says the parents, parents would just bring their children to Jesus because they knew that there was blessing in his touch. And then in Mark chapter 7, Jesus laid his hands on a deaf man's ears and he could hear. And then in Mark chapter 8, Jesus does something strange. There's a blind man and he spits into the dirt and he swipes it around a little bit. He makes a little mud and he touches this guy's eyes with the mud which everybody standing around was going, what in the world is Jesus doing? And he heals this guy of his blindness. And he could see again. And there's just story after story after story of the blessings and the healing that come from the hands of God. And here's the great thing about this. Is that when we read scripture, one thing is obvious. In Romans 8.32 it says this. It says, if God is for us, who can ever be against us. This God that is big and mighty, this one that we read about in Scripture, the author of life, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, he is the great I am. He breathed life into existence. And this God that created everything that is Lord over all is actually for us. He's for me. And he's for you. And he wants to touch and bless your life. And I know that's hard to understand in those moments where we're struggling and we're overwhelmed. But let me remind you that when it comes to Easter, that while Christ was in the tomb, God allowed Satan to think that he had won for three days, but on the third day, he crushed the darkness with the light of a heavenly resurrection, proving once again just how big the hand of God really is. And that hand is for us. He is for you. God is big enough to bless you. Number two, I also want you to know that even though God is big and he is powerful and he is mighty and he is alpha and omega and he is creator of everything, he is tender enough to hold you. The hand of God is big enough to allow whatever, to, big enough to overcome whatever darkness is in your life, but yet he's tender enough to care for you in this moment. Hear me when I say that God cares for you, and that's important to remember. 
Because again, we tend to project our situations onto God, whatever we're dealing with. And when we're confused and when we don't understand, we're more likely to think that God doesn't care, that God isn't there, that God doesn't really want to help in this moment. But that's not true. His tender hand is still there, reaching for us. And you know, when you read the Gospels, when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, not only do you see the powerful hand and healing of Jesus, but you also see this tender, loving touch and how he comes into contact with everyone around. We talked about this last week when we talked about the woman at the well. But also, there's another another great story that illustrates this so vividly, just so well about the tender touch of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 8, let me read this story with you. It says this, suddenly a man with leprosy approached him and he knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Let let me tell you something about this scripture real quick. First word you see there is suddenly, okay? Scripture makes it seem like the man with leprosy just kind of popped up. I like the way the King James Version puts it this way. It said, behold, there came a leper. Another translation says that he just appeared. And the reason that this is important is because it makes, Scripture makes it sound like he was kind of sneaking around, just kind of like creeping up to people and saying boo or something. And the reason that's important is because people with leprosy weren't allowed to be around anyone. So it was sudden, and it was quick, and it was deliberate. You see, actually, they were supposed to stay outside of town. They were supposed to be, not be around anyone. And if they ever did come into town for anything, they had to yell out, unclean, unclean, wherever they went. So the people would know to stay away from them, to not get near them, because nobody wanted to touch them. Because everybody was worried about the disease being spread. So what we know about this is it's a very lonely existence. There's no cure, there's no help, and there's no one in your life, and there's no other choice but to sneak up to Jesus and to see, to see if Jesus would heal you, if he cared enough and loved enough to actually be the one person to touch you. And in the very next verse, it says this. It says, Jesus reached out and touched him. And he said, I am willing, be healed. And when no one else would, even in this guy's darkness, even in his pain, even in his struggle, the tender hand of Jesus reaches for this man and brings healing. You see, I just want you to take that image with you because God cares for you. Even in this moment, even when it seems like maybe no one else does, even when it seems like no one else understands, Just remember what we talked about last week. Jesus Christ was one of us. He became human. He's been through the pain that we deal with. He understands. In fact, he's got the scars to prove just how much he gets our suffering. And that same tender hand that was nailed to the cross for each one of us, that hand reaches out to you right now. And he promises to hold your hand And he will not let you go until you receive that heavenly reward, which brings me to the third point. The third point is this. God's hands are strong enough to guide you. They are strong enough to guide you. 
You know, I'm always a little hesitant to show um, any kind of television shows or movie clips or anything um, because sometimes they're a little questionable. And this one I'm going to talk about was pretty gruesome. Um, I admit, I covered my eyes a lot. But when I cover my eyes watching movies, I always cover like this so I can actually see through. Does anybody else do that? Yeah. Um, but this one had, it was pretty gruesome because of the reality of war. Um, but I remember watching this movie a while back called Hacksaw Ridge, and it was about, um, it was about an officer, Desmond Doss, who was willing to stare down fear and risk his life to guide others to safety. He was a United States Army corporal who was a combat medic with an infantry company in World War II. He was twice awarded the Bronze Star Medal, but the story that he's really known for was in the Battle of Okinawa. And for those of you that have seen the movie, you probably remember that there was this one phrase that he kept saying over and over and over again. Y'all watch this. Please, Lord, help me get one more. Help me get one more. One more, help me get one more. And over and over and over again, he just keeps going back. And with no, with no rifle, no gun, no anything else, only his hands, he tugged and he pulled and he grabbed and he picked up and he lowered and he saved 75 men that night. And the movie chronicles this event as he lowered all of those men, 75, alive, off a 400-foot cliff and guided them to safety, cutting his hands the entire way, just praying, God, help me get one more. And we look at stories like that, and we're filled with amazement of people who are willing to reach out with their hands and to give strength and guidance to other people when needed. And you know what? It, it doesn't just happen in these moments. This is, a, this is an amazing uh, a moment of this, of course, but it happens every time a foster parent reaches out a hand to a little one and gives them a better future and guides them. It happens every time a teacher grabs out, reaches out and grabs the hand of a young child and, and guides them into a better understanding. It happens when one of our church members reaches out and holds the hand and guides someone into the knowledge of Jesus Christ and into a relationship with a wonderful church family. See, we know the power that comes, the fear that is overcome, and the comfort that flows when one person, when one person is just willing to reach out their hand and guide another person. And we're all capable of doing that. And if we're capable of doing that, how much more Capable is our God with his guiding hand. Listen, there's never going to be a moment that comes your way that is too overwhelming that the hand of God can't guide you through it. Hebrews 13 says this, God assured us, I'll never let you down. I'll never walk off and leave you. And we can boldly quote, God is there ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what. Who or what can get to me? God says, I'm always there. I'll never walk off. I'll never leave you. I'm never going to let you down. Why? Because you're in the grip of God. You're trusting his 
hand. And that's good news. Because no matter how alone we may feel, no matter how we've been betrayed in the past, no matter how dark it gets, I promise that his strong hand is there to guide you even in this moment. Let me give you one more verse. It comes from Proverbs 3. It says this. It says to seek his will in all you do. And if you do, and you place his, your hand into his, he'll show you which path to take. Now, we're not fully going to understand We're not going to know what the next steps are. We're not going to know where that path is going to take us. But you know what? Our job isn't to absolutely know all things. Our job is to fully trust in the one who is guiding us. So let me ask you this morning. Do you trust him? Like, are you falling into the hands of God? Do you trust that his hands are big enough to bless, tender enough to hold, and strong enough to guide you, even in this moment, or whatever may come in the future? Because Jesus, I think what we can learn so vividly in this picture is that Jesus, in this worst moment, this crucifixion on the cross, even at one point crying out why God has left him, you remember that from a couple of weeks ago, we're like, what did that even mean? Why have you forsaken me? Even in that moment of wondering, and we see this humanity in Jesus coming out, even with all of that happening, his last words, his last words, I trust you. I trust you. He trusts God's big and powerful hand. And may we find the peace and the strength that comes from following that example of Jesus and learning each day, to trust the hand of God. Let's pray. God, we find great comfort in the words of your son, Jesus. Even though we might question why tough times happen, or this moment is happening in our lives, even though we question what's going on around us, God, help us to trust, to trust our lives in your hands. And God, that you're leading us every step of the way. And God, I just pray for everybody who's here this morning that might be struggling a little bit with something that may seem to be huge. God, we we just be reminded that you're bigger. That you're big enough for us. God, I pray also for all of those who may feel that you've turned your back on them. That maybe you have left that you're upset and disappointed and you don't want anything to do. God, would you just remind us how much you love us and that your promise is to never leave us, that your tender hand reaches out to us. And God, for everybody that just doesn't know what to do next, God, maybe we're facing something of a crossroads in our life. God, would you remind us that your hand is strong enough to guide us to the path? that we're supposed to take. At the end of the day, God, each and every day, God, we place our trust in the name that is above all names, the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen.